Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Heather Exner-Pierrot, Ph.D., Senior Policy Analyst at the McDonald laurier Institute. Uh, she is also an expert in Indigenous economic and resource development, particularly in the North and the Arctic. And uh, Dr. Exner-Pierrot has presented and chaired at 75 conferences nationally and internationally. Dr. Exner-Pierrot, thank you very much for the time. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to have you with us. So I, I was reading the piece that you uh, wrote for MLI. It also appeared in the Vancouver Sun. Eliminating fossil fuels will complicate energy security, not solve it. And uh, if I have this correctly, you're saying that the elimination of fossil fuels will significantly complicate the energy security and that the low-carbon energy transition is going to require shifting from the extraction of fossil fuels to the extraction of metals and is very material-intensive. Do I have that correctly? And if I do, please carry on with the thought. Well, you do have it correctly, and it's not an excuse to not move to a low-carbon uh, you know, future. We need to have this transition. But it's just to explain that once moved from fossil fuels to renewables uh, to nuclear, uh, you know, hydro, wind, solar, uh, that's not going to take away our, our security risk. It's not going to remove the power of the Russias and the Irans of the world. Uh, it's going to, you know, increase the power of, you know, some of the countries that have copper, nickel, lithium in huge quantities. And in fact, because we need more critical minerals, you know, to meet the renewables, um, there'll be more complication. Oil and gas is found in just about every region. Just about every region has very good refining, processing capacity. But a lot of these minerals are, are basically monopolies uh, with, you know, just one or two or three countries, you know, ex- exploiting them uh, in, in, in some kind of um, scale. And so it's not to say we shouldn't move to low carbon, but we're going to have a whole host of different energy security, uh, you know, problems when we do. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, I mean, you wrote in your piece, uh, let me just read this. Uh, many in the Western world have called uh, to call not for more domestic oil and gas supply, but to wean ourselves off fossil fuels once and for all. They believe the sun and the wind shall set us free. Their calls, unfortunately, are naive. Could you pick up on that? I mean, they, so the amount of we would call kind of green minerals or, or things that go into, you know, batteries and renewables and that sort of thing. We, we simply don't have. First of all, it's very intense, you know, to, you know, people are thinking that the sun, we produce that domestically. No one can, can stop us from having the sun. But it takes a lot more than to just have sun shining on you to, you know, translate that into energy that you can store and then dispatch to, you know, residential consumers. So that's a very different story of how you do that. Um, but I think the idea here is that we need to we need to prepare to have far more mining in this world. And some of the, you know, some of those minerals need 10 times more mining. A lot of them need three or four or five times more mining. We don't have the mines in the world today to meet, for example, you know, the new electric vehicle targets that Canada and other countries have. The mines simply don't exist for the product that we're going to need for those batteries. And we're already seeing, you know, that, that supply-demand gap where, for example, the Tesla Model 3 is a third more this year than it was only a year ago. So are we then ahead of ourselves? Well, the prime minister says a 42% reduction in emissions from oil and gas are going to be necessary by 2030 from 2019 levels. Are we ahead of ourselves? Are we? Is it wishful thinking as opposed to pragmatic thinking? I, I do think it is 
very ambitious. I think if we looked at 2040, some of those goals are are achievable. Um, you know, and, and I'm a proponent of reliable energy security, and I think Canada has a, a fantastic industry with very good ESG kind of values. Uh, but there is still some low-hanging fruit in the sector, uh, you know, on methane rejections uh, and other things. I know one company I follow very closely, Tamarack Valley, they've, they've reduced already their emissions intensity by 28% in the last two years. So there are some things you can do. But I'll say, you know, when you get to the oil sands and, and they're talking about the technology and the carbon capture and maybe having some small water reactors uh, to produce the energy they need to release bitumen from sand, None of that can happen by 2030 because of, you know, the, the problems that we're all facing, everyone in every aspect of our lives is, is supply chains and inflation and a shortage of labor. So there are some big tech solutions to this. I think over time we will certainly get there, uh, but it, I don't think it's possible by 2030. And, yeah. and just looking, you know, the bigger consideration is it, it totally ignores what's happening in the rest of the world, that people are actually demanding more Canadian oil and gas right now. Well, Exactly. And uh, it is a source of, uh, would be a source of great income to this country to play for, pay for our social programs and our health care system if we were bringing that money into into Canada because the oil and the, the resources are going to be sold anyway. And you point out when it comes to the mining aspect of things, China and Russia are the ones that are going to benefit. Yeah, we need to do this very carefully. I think Canada needs to be a, a much bigger supplier of these resources. And where I think the liberals, I think, you know, in, even in the oil sector, everyone's on side with reducing emissions intensity. But when the liberals come up with signs like a, a, a cap um, or reducing it at this level, that is not consistent with Canada playing a bigger role in providing energy, you know, to a very hungry world that needs that energy. Um, and so I think we need to look at making sure that the Canadian barrel is the lowest emissions barrel, is a very responsible barrel, but putting in these emissions reductions and caps simply means that there will be less Canadian product on the gold market. And, and Canadians are hurting. People are hurting right now. Inflation is up. The um, consumer price index is up. Uh, cost of food is up. The questions, there are questions about food and energy security. This may not be the best time to start to run targets past people who are just trying to get through their day. I do think it's tone deaf. And obviously in Canada, people are hurting. I was up in one northern community the other, the other week, um, and people were literally using wood stoves and candles because they could not afford, you know, the, the natural gas connection. In fact, they had, you know, were in arrears. People, it was an indigenous community. People in arrears lost their connection. But I want your listeners to also consider that if things are bad in Canada, where we have, you know, bountiful resources, cheap, cheap renewable energy, all these great new renewable sources, in other parts of the world, I mean, I mean, this is, you know, this is a humanitarian crisis. We are having blackouts for 10 hours a day. Um, the cost of food has never been higher in the world. And here's a startling statistic is that in 2020, the percentage of global GDP we spent on energy was 4%. This year, it's going to be 13%. That's $8.5 trillion that, that the average, you know, that people are spending more on energy than they would otherwise if only we had reliable supply. That's massive. Yeah, think of what you could do with eight and a half trillion dollars on on education and healthcare oh, and, and health. It's, it's preposterous. I understand. And it's not You're... because we have less oil and coal and gas. It's simply because we artificially restricted the supply. Well, as you write uh, in your piece, Canada did not leverage its tremendous oil and gas resources into any kind of coherent energy security policy that would have allowed it to advance its interests and values on the world stage. Mistakes were made, 
and the consequences are being laid bare this month. Well, and let's consider that we, I mean, this isn't theoretical. This is happening in real time. We've seen how Russia used its, its resources uh, as a hammer against Europe. We see Iran do that in its negotiations. We see Venezuela do it with its sanctions. Uh, we've seen Iraq do it. Canada has the same, you know, we're the, we're the fourth largest exporter in the world. We have that same oil and gas, but we export 99% of our oil to the United States and 100% of our natural gas to the United States. So we have no way to use this as geopolitical leverage outside of our relationship with the United States. We're just, and, and you know, we let ourselves become basically an asterisk to their foreign policy, to their energy policy. So going forward, if, if we think Canadian values are something worth promoting, then, then let's start, you know, using our endowment of natural resources to be that reliable supplier to our allies and to not let autocratic regimes, you know, have the control that they've had. So the question, the last question then is this, do you think we will? Uh, <laughs> there's nothing, you know, even despite the events we've seen in Ukraine and Russia and the energy crisis in Europe and Asia, I haven't heard anything different from the Liberals. This emissions reduction plan suggests to me that a light bulb has not gone off on the global side, on the energy security side. At the same time, I can imagine that when Prime Minister Trudeau goes to Europe, they're asking him anything but how can we get more oil? How can we get more gas? How can we get you more uranium? How can we get more wheat? Every conversation he's having with his allies is how do we get more natural resources from Canada onto the market? And so either, either the Liberals are going to have to figure out in the next three years but this problem isn't going away. We have huge supply and demand gaps in minerals, in, in, in grains, in oil seeds, and oil and gas, and everything. And so if you know, the liberals don't figure out, the next government's going to have to figure it out. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.